0: Hello, my name is Kayla. And my name is Jackie, and this is Season 2 of Living Two or More. A podcast where we interview people who are biracial and multiracial. Their stories are beautifully complex and unique. We were honored to receive them and so excited to share them with you. Thanks for listening, and enjoy Living Two or More. Sabra May is an actor, voice actor, stand-up comedian, and storyteller. Most recently, she's been heard on Cyberpunk 2077 and the Bridgewater Podcast, which just won Best Fiction Podcast of the Year by iHeartRadio. She splits her time between Los Angeles and Portland, Oregon, and is passionate about multi-ethnic representation in the media. For her episode, we explore themes such as exotifying, assumptions, and othering. After a recording, Sabra reached out to us and asked if she could touch on a subject she hadn't in the interview. Stay tuned to the end of the episode where you will hear just that.
1: All right. Well, Sabra, thank you so much for being with us for the second season of Living Two or More. We're so excited to be in conversation with you. And our first question that we have for you is if you could please describe your experience of Living Two or More racial
2: identities. Great! You guys got a couple weeks for this answer. <laughs> yeah, we got, we, some got time. we got some time. <laughs> cool.
1: We um, can spend the whole time on that question if you want to. <laughs>
2: Well, there's a lot to say about that. Um, I am half Chinese. My dad was from Hong Kong and his parents are from Canton. Uh, And the other half is American, but that side is indigenous. I'm Native American. I am Sucre and Susquehannock, which is a tribe absorbed by the Iroquois that no longer exists. Um, And uh, yeah, I grew up in Portland, Oregon in the 80s. So... (laughs) um, It wasn't really a thing I noticed much uh, until about third grade. Well, second grade. Yeah, first or second grade. Uh, It was Chinese New Year, and one of the teachers was like, do you know how to say hello in Chinese? And like put me on the spot. And I was like, am I supposed to? What? Uh, But besides that, I didn't really notice uh, until I switched schools. Um, From Saban Elementary to Alameda, which is four block I'm four blocks from both of them yeah. in opposite directions uh and when I went to transitioned into fourth grade at Alameda um the kids just decided I should be a pariah there and they picked on the most obvious thing because it was a wider school that was mm. my ethnicity so um yeah that was uh I had a stomach ache for like two years um, mm. <laughs> uh, but it was pretty awful it was pretty shitty. Um, there was a lot of like, go back to China where you came from. And I was like, I'm from 23rd in Fremont. <laughs> only four blocks away from yeah. you. Uh, never been to China. <laughs> Born in Portland. Mm. My grandparents, you know, like my grandpa grew up on 24th and going in 1910. Like, Jeez. it was a little weird. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and kids were pretty terrible. I mean, you know, it could have been anything though. If it wasn't my ethnicity, it could have been something else like at the end of fourth grade it was a little bit about boobs you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but uh that was during 1990 i believe 8990 was the first the first gulf war of our modern era um and because i'm like vaguely brownish uh they started calling me sabra hussein because my name is
0: sabra mm-hmm. jeez mm-hmm. yeah that kind of wow. sucks yeah what the yeah. hell And
2: then like a Little nine-year-old Middle Eastern murderer, uh, uh-huh. but uh, so you know it was just pretty bad, and yeah. I had a rough time. Um, and after that, I mean, being you know being like the bullied person at any in any childhood is really rough, no matter what it's about. Uh, but that, even though it wasn't like people were always racist to me for my whole schooling years until I was eighteen, that um, <clears throat> that otherness, that like being a pariahness, followed me all the way through high school. Um, And in middle school, it was a little bit about race. And in high school, people kind of figured out they couldn't really say that anymore. But you know, that that, like you're a freak kind of thing followed me around forever, which is never awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and then there are other things I would encounter in Portland that maybe I wouldn't have encountered other places, I'm unsure. Uh, Or maybe I would have, you know, Portland is not rural Arkansas, I suppose. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, yeah, people were, you know, there's always the like men who think you're super extra hot because you're so exotic. Mm-hmm. Or once a boyfriend said to me like, oh, but you know how to take care of a man. And I was like, are you Yikes. liking me to a geisha? I don't know what mm-hmm. is happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, You know, and that kind of thing would always happen. But that that trauma from being a kid, from changing schools – Really, like I could cry about it today. It's so, yeah. It's so intense, and I think, you know, I had to leave Portland for a decade just to distance myself a little bit. I love, I love Portland. Um, it is a small town, and there's a lot of history here on every single corner for me. So, absolutely, yeah. And as an actor, because I'm a voice actor and an on-camera act, I mean, stage, whatever without my face and with my face, actor. Uh, you know, there are there are uh, assumptions that come along with my face, with my name, uh, that that shape what kind of work you can get or not get in Hollywood. In theater in Portland, theater in Portland is very vibrant. I don't know if anybody knows, but mm-hmm. theater here is, like, awesome. Uh, you know, it's a lot more forgiving, right? I did do one show uh, with the amazing Lorraine Barr. She's, like one of the best actresses in town. She played my mother and we were in Scotland and I, I don't know if it was a mercury or the lamb at week, but they were like, Ooh, I don't buy for a minute that Sabra is Scottish, which is like, there are Asian people in Scotland. Did you know that? Also uh-huh. I'm half also like my accent was on point. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, and, and that had nothing to do with my performance. Your, mm. your comment had nothing to do with my performance for your review, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so those sorts of things, and then, you know, you get called into a room for a commercial for Asian people, and they're all, a li- like, much more Asian than I, and so it feels mm-hmm. like a waste of time, or it feels like I'm supposed to act a certain way or talk a certain way. Um, <clears throat> plus, my real last name is Choi, so my full mm-hmm. name is Sabra May-Yee Choi, C-H-O-I, and Choi is, like, the second most common Korean last name in the world you know, uh, Kim being the first. Uh, And it's very possible that my last name should have been spelt C-H-O-Y, you know, but it was in Cantonese. So Mm -hmm. for whatever reason, I'm C-H-O-I. And then people have these expectations of me being Mm -hmm. Korean, which are inaccurate Uh as well. Um, And You know, so I just decided to go with the first half of my middle name because it sounds much more ambiguous, Mm -hmm. Sabra May. Um, And I got a lot of auditions and calls for a, like, young, modern, like, business type person, right? you'll see that, like, ethnically ambiguous people on a McDonald's commercial. They're, like, getting a quick lunch before they go back to their tech job, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Uh, But I didn't really get any work where you'd have to explain, you know, a family because that just... They'd have to change some writing for that mm-hmm. um, or not or just cast appropriately. But at any rate, uh, so I've been much more successful in voiceover. I do think that has a play a part to play, uh, my ethnicity and it being a little bit inexplicable. Um, I'm also indigenous and that is a whole potentially other conversation because um, – i'm very i'm very a little i mean i'm the legal limit uh but you know blood quantum is defined by the government uh for the purpose of decimating cultures indigenous cultures and that's what happened to me my ancestor i call her my grandmother but she's actually my grandpa's grandmother uh, she had a happy life and her life was not stolen from her her family was not stolen from her by chance that's how my story is she chose to go to a white school because she was curious and she wanted to learn. She chose to marry a white man because she was in love, and because it gave her some mobility in the world. Mm. Uh, and she wrote Caucasian on all of the uh, census status mm. because she knew what would help her the most. Mm. It's very obvious that she is Native when you look at pictures of her. Um, but you know, as a result, I could never get. I mean, I have a DNA test that proves what I am, but it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It's not tribe specific. Um, they can't be uh so I could never get a tribal affiliation, probably. I don't even know how I would go about that, and digging through your own family history to sort of prove who you are is super weird anyway, mm-hmm. right, like that's not what I'm mm-hmm. looking at when I'm looking at my family. I'm thinking about mm-hmm. my family right. mm-hmm. um but there I do have a bone to pick with people who think that you have to be a certain amount to do anything to be cast in this world, to get um, a card, to be part of a federally recognized tribe, uh, because it's, you know, it's colonization. And I think I think it's difficult because I know a lot of people who are indigenous who get upset when other people are a little bit um, and feel like they're trying to co-opt that culture or pretend in some way. And at the same time, I think that colonization is contagious and that it's designed to be that way and to deny your ancestors and your experience because you're not enough is exactly the problem. Mm -hmm. And also that there's not very many of us left. So Mm -hmm. we're the people who get to step up and do something or it doesn't get done. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. I
1: think that's my answer. Mm, yeah. So wow. many things I want to ask I know. you about. You just all had a of 20 that. minute answer. You <laughs> Thank you. I mean, that was pretty amazing, actually, mm-hmm. <laughs> how much you were able to share just in that little bit. But we have so many things that we want to talk to I you know. about from that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Great. Let's get into it. Today. <laughs> yeah. I think for me, um, I would love to go back to thinking about like your relationship to your culture. Um, you mentioned your Chinese ancestry, um, your indigenous ancestry, like how do you, what is your actual relationship with your culture and your family and your ancestry? What does that look like on your terms?
2: Yeah. Um, it's even hard to think about in that way because I don't, I don't think of it. So my parents divorced when I was three. Uh, My father passed away when I was 23. And my dad, he's the Chinese one, not my mom. For some reason, people always assume the mother's the Chinese one. Uh, But no, uh, uh, he was kind of the black sheep of his family. You know, he was uh, super smart, super uh, education driven. He was an aerospace engineer. Um, And he was not – he didn't have the happiest, most comfortable life, and he wasn't the easiest person to be around for all people. We had a wonderful relationship. Uh, he wasn't super interested in passing along his Chinese culture to me. I spoke, uh, I spoke Chinese when I was a toddler. I don't remember at all. Other people remember. They tell me about it. Um, he wasn't interested in teaching it to me, and then they divorced when I was three, and he was a contract aerospace engineer, so he was gone all the time you know, and was back very infrequently. Um, Yeah, and our relationship was first and foremost not him, I don't know, teaching me things as I grew up in Portland. Um, My Chinese family, his brother and their kids and wife, they moved away when I was four to California. So um, I didn't have much contact with them uh, until I would start to visit. So I would visit them every summer when my dad lived down in L.A., Um, So my experience of Chinese people in my family was not – I mean, we all have some relationship with, like, Chinese food and dim sum and how all of us kids want to bring McDonald's in the restaurant because who wants to eat gross Chinese food? Uh, (laughs) Mm -hmm. But it wasn't really culture – it didn't feel culture-based. What I saw was how my cousins were treated by their family, how they acted. It was not really – I don't know. Culture wasn't the thing I was considering. just having my kid experience Mm -hmm. um which involved like sega and sonic the hedgehog and disneyland (laughs) and (laughs) six flags Uh and (laughs) all those things that socal has to offer um i feel much more connected to my indigenous side but a lot of that is about the closeness of my me and my grandfather Um, and a lot of it is about my reverence for nature because of Mm. uh where I was raised and how I what my personality traits are, um and just because of my interests and you know, the kinds of things that I read,, uh, which is ironic because I'm far more Chinese mm-hmm. than I am indigenous, but mm-hmm. that's how it feels inside of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's important to me that my son knows his culture, but there's no I don't it it feels odd to me to even discuss the question in a way
0: because it's just me. -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. I understand what you mean. Yeah. (laughs) Like, can I
2: use chopsticks? Yeah. Do I have some things that are my favorite (laughs) Um, about the culture, about the food? Yes. Yeah. And none of that feels foreign to me per se, but. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I kind of, um, you mentioned that you spent a decade outside of Portland um, to get away from what you had experienced as like a younger, a younger kid. Um, can you talk about kind of where you went and like what you experienced there and how maybe it was different or it was the same or just what was it like being away from where you grew up? Yeah, I mean, I have
2: a lot. I have a lot of things to say about that because I went away to college for a minute, uh, a term specifically in Ohio, uh, which was very different, uh-huh. very different experience. It was a super liberal arts college, like a very. Uh, it looked great on paper, this place, <laughs> <laughs> um, but Ohio is very different. Um, and you know, aside from this four-block college town that I was in, it's a very white place. We were twelve miles from the nearest KKK chapter in the, the largest KKK chapter in the nation. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Um, and when we went into Dayton, which was the closest town, which is also a small town, Mm -hmm. uh, people definitely looked at me in a very odd way, but all of us were like alternative college kids in like rural Ohio, Mm -hmm. right? Um, what really struck me there was this lack of I am I am just so connected to the nature that is in this part of the world, this special little corner of the world. And when you're raised here, you don't realize how amazing it is, how unique it is, how it's not the thing that is everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I felt very raw. I felt very like barren internally, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. My soul felt barren um, being away from my forest. Um, also, I traveled a bunch by myself. I traveled in – let's see. When I was 21, I flew to Bangkok. I spent time in Thailand, Laos, Cambodia, Malaysia, Singapore, Australia, New Zealand, Fiji, and then I went back to Ohio for a boy. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> As you do. <laughs> yeah, Just being real. Uh, and that was a very interesting experience because um, I really wanted to go to Vietnam. I, I'm a big anti-war activist. I feel very connected to uh, my mom, oh, I don't know how to explain it. It sounds so silly to be like, I'm super connected to the Vietnamese War. But I I mean, it's a thing. It's a part of my like internal historical landscape. Mm-hmm. So I was really interested to go there and was warned by other Asian women I met traveling that that was not a good idea. Mm-hmm. Because apparently we would be assumed prostitutes there if we were traveling with... Mm-hmm with white people, white dudes, backpackers, oh, wow. um, and it just felt unsafe, and some people were getting rocks thrown at them Jeez. while they were traveling, so I just made the decision not to do that.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and then I was actually in Thailand when 9-11 happened, uh, and I was planning on going to Indonesia. I wanted to go, you know, whatever. Be a surf babe. (laughs) Uh, And my dad, who used to live in Indonesia when he was working for Boeing, I believe, he was like, Baby, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. Like, it's getting violent for Americans right now. And I was like, Okay, well, you're pretty crazy. If you wouldn't do it, Dad, I won't do it. I ended up going to Australia and I had a really awful time in Australia. Um, I am willing to believe that there are wonderful, amazing things I just missed. But I traveled all up and down the East Coast, um, and I felt like people were pretty violent. Men were pretty violent. Mm. To be fair, I was 21 years old, drinking a lot, and I'm a pool shark, so I was maybe not the funnest person for a white guy <laughs> at a bar to hang out with. <laughs> um, but men were aggressive, and I didn't really, I couldn't really put my finger on what was fully weird about it. Right? Everyone is drinking a lot. It's a very masculine culture. I mean, I was there for three months and I saw a single black girl and she was from Seattle. So Mm -hmm. uh, it's a white landscape, you know, and like sharks, there are things there that can kill you. But I was scared of people. Like I had traveled all over Southeast Asia and within two hours in Sydney, my wallet was stolen. Mm -hmm. Um, And then later I was speaking with another friend of mine. She's half Japanese uh, from Santa Cruz and she was telling me her experiences in Australia and together we were like, oh yes, we're allowed Asian women, and like Australia has a lot of um, Chinese immigrants coming in to live, specifically in Melbourne and Sydney, uh, buying up a lot of properties, and there is uh, there is some angst there. There's some, you know, unwanted feeling, but we didn't really piece together what specifically this like male to female directed violence mm. was about. We're like, mm. I mean, it can't be an entirely, it's just a whole sexist country, you know, where every five minutes you're like, am I about to get date raped? Am mm. I about to get day-raped now? No, no. Not that I was dating. I mean, but, you know. I, I felt like Jeez. that in Italy. <laughs> like, I was like, you definitely can not have cultures that feel like that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was really rapey. I don't know what to say. It was like mm-hmm. a scary – I've never pushed so – physically pushed away so many men off of me Jeez. and like physically feared for myself and my friend had neither. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I went to New Zealand. and It was a totally opposite experience. <laughs> uh, and everything was wonderful and it's a paradise and please take me into your country forever. Um, and then I, we moved to Hawaii for a while, uh, which was pretty great. I guess I was passing there without fully realizing mm. it until my blonde friends came to visit. And then uh, not every island is the same. I was on Maui, which has been uh, particularly mm-hmm. mistreated, in my mm-hmm. opinion, um, with tourism. And it's pretty overrun. I see why people are mad. Yeah. Besides the fact that we stole their country at gunpoint. Uh, but, and now. And exploited their culture. Yeah. It yeah, Makes us so much money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but after that, I moved to LA and LA, it was a very different experience as an adult than it was when I was a kid where it was all amusement parks. I mean, there's still some of that, but mm-hmm. um, it's fun. It's a fun city, you know, and the, uh, it's it's so multicultural, and I'm an actor. I was an actor in Hollywood, so all of that casting stuff is still there, mm-hmm. right? And it changed. It's changing. There's a lot of uh, recognition of multi-ethnic kids that's happening on TV right now, which I'm in full support of. Mm-hmm. It's a little funny because, you know, I've been over here multi-ethnic since 1980, uh, but apparently it's just happening uh-huh. <laughs> in TV land. Uh, so all of that was there, but also it's just it's a huge city, you know. It's like New York. Nobody's going to bat an eye at you for being some shade of not white mm-hmm. in the same way you're going to get in a much whiter place. Um, and I think I've mentioned this uh, before, but. You know, in Portland, it's a little bit different, right? Uh, people are very well intentioned Mm -hmm. and also they're very aware that you're not white, that's
0: right. (laughs) Um, and in (laughs) L, you
2: know, and we that was a consideration because now we're splitting time between Portland and LA. Um, and one of the things about coming back to Oregon is I was like, well, I had a really awful, rough time when I was a kid, yeah, really, however, my son. My son, who is Middle Eastern, I mean, he, he's half, he's a quarter Turkish, a quarter Chinese, he's indigenous, and then he's a mess of British and black Welsh. But he's super white presenting. Mm-hmm. Whatever issues I had will not be the issues he has. Mm-hmm. I'm still anti-public school because mm-hmm. I'm so anti-bullying. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I mean, I'm pro a public education system, just not in the form it's in now, which makes mm-hmm. children slit their wrists. But um, we were really like, well, how do we create... A landscape that is not fully vanilla for our son in a place that is fully vanilla. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is not a consideration in LA, right? Mm-hmm. People yeah. are at my house eating food, and one of them is Cuban, and then other one's half Chinese too. And that, you know, and there's no like, how do I craft a landscape that's good for my kid? Like, uh-huh. that's really s- weird. That's yeah. so weird. And, inauthentic, and you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm, I'm going to chase someone down the street. Excuse me, you're also not white. Can we, can we be (laughs) friends? Yeah.
0: Um,
2: I mean, it might happen, but... If you guys want to be friends. Yes. I mean, no, no, it's, it's actually, it's
1: really wild to hear you say that because I feel like I, I do hear parents in Portland talking that way about the way that they want to kind of socialize their children and like who they hang out with. They, they definitely make a point of telling you like the kids that they're hanging out with and what their like ethnic backgrounds are, like, you know, it's, it's okay. like they've like tick some boxes so that their kid
2: can have uh, more cultural access or whatever it is that they're. Mm-hmm. is. It is well-intentioned. Yeah, it <laughs> no. is. It's not. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. It's a question I asked when we were touring uh, daycare and preschools for my son, and the answer I always got was, "It's pretty white." <laughs> <laughs> well, as you might expect, and I was like, "Yeah, I know." I just I thought I'd ask. We have one who's Latino. I'm like, cool, cool, great. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> two girls. Well, they're adopted. I think that they're Asian. Okay, no, well, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> but. Um, you know it, it and it is less white than it was when I was a kid and still yeah
1: really white. I was gonna yeah. ask mm-hmm. you about that actually because I feel like um you know just for context Kayla and I both were pretty were pretty much raised here I mean we we moved around a lot I think growing up but like
0: mm-hmm.
1: kind of right Kayla high school yeah I moved like, here in middle school yeah yeah me too mm-hmm. um and Eugene I went to South Eugene uh mm-hmm. high school I went um, to Beaverton
0: high school Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But like when I was, you know, cruising around like Udrine is still totally white. But like when I was cruising around Portland and even when I first moved here 12 years ago, just like white everywhere. And in the last like three four years I feel like I'm not the only brown person in the room when I go to restaurants anymore um sure it's refreshing but I'm like one to three right totally Mm -hmm. totally. yeah yeah but I'm curious like how what your experience of that is like because it sounds like it was so rough for you here originally and what that looks like for you now how that shifted and you're
2: noticing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I went to two schools, right? So they were different experiences. Now I feel like this, whatever, the Irvington sort of Sabin neighborhood is all kind of one neighborhood. Uh, but when I was a kid in the 80s, you know, it was like near 15th was more African American and above it mm-hmm. was more white. And it's just not really exactly like that anymore. But when I went to Sabin, like, okay, my best friend was Brooke Chen. She was also half Chinese her dad not her mom thanks everyone uh and my second best friend was shalana jackson and my third best friends were white blonde girls uh beth and kimberly but uh you know it was just varied and it wasn't it wasn't super asian i mean i think Oh, I had a crush on a half Japanese boy. Mm. Yeah, for like mm. twelve years. <laughs> uh, but That's almost a major every... scene in life, right? <laughs> yeah. Twelve years. Uh-huh. Oh, oh, it was like a, it was a long was shout a long out time. to I that cutie pie. I can not even. Say <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, he was too preppy for me by this time. Mm. It was well, fine. Um, but uh, you know, there were a lot of black kids at Sabin. and in mm. Alameda. I think hmm, I think we had one Korean girl, one black girl. maybe one black dude that I can think of. That's kind of it. Mm-hmm. So it was, a, it was a big difference. But they're the school zones right next to each other. I mean, they're like – literally, they're like eight blocks away from each other, 17th and whatever, lower than Prescott, and then 27th and Fremont. So it's like – it's very close. Um, yeah, I don't know. And now it's, it's different. I'm not like in the context of a school, right? Mm-hmm. But I'll be out to eat, and I'll kind of look at my husband and be like – Oh, that's not Asian person in here, <laughs> just one, just one. <laughs> oh, kids here. You know, you. <laughs> but but I mean, I see more people of color just like walking down the street mm-hmm. and stuff. But I, I mean, I also do see gentrification happening. The mm-hmm. neighborhoods, specifically in North Portland, in the whole area that was once Vanport. Which, tell me, you guys know about? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yes. oh yeah, Vanport <laughs> flooding. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the Portland, uh, New Orleans. <laughs> yeah, is is uh, is much wider
0: mm-hmm. now
2: mm-hmm. than it was. Just that area just because of uh you know the economy just because of class and economic disparities and people get moved out and i bet you anything beaverton and the burbs are have more people of color who used to live in portland mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's more affordable mm-hmm.
0: i just don't mm-hmm. hang out
2: in the burbs so much because like ew, i'm, kidding, I'm so kidding i don't
0: either <laughs> well, i don't <laughs> know what the <laughs> hell <was laughs> <saying. laughs> she's cute <laughs> My mom's just there, so I'll visit her once in a while. <laughs> my grandparents
2: lived in Aloha, so I spent a lot a lot of my yeah. childhood out there actually yeah. at their house. Yeah. Eating raspberries. Yeah. Tuna fish sandwiches and glasses of milk. <laughs> They're the white ones.
0: <laughs> no. Cute.
2: Cute. <laughs> this is all
0: very
1: this is all very like endearing things, right? I mm-hmm. mean, like it's such, it's it is like also this. It's like we joke about it, but it's also very endearing. Um it's like a part yeah. of growing up. It's part of how we grew up. Yeah. Um, totally. So yeah. I'd love to. I'd love to talk to you because I've heard you mention it a couple times. Now I'd love to hear you talk about representation in um, TV, but also just like in your experience, um, how representation has worked as an actor and a voice actor. Um, yeah, I'd love to hear you talk about that.
2: Sure. Oh I mean I have a few things to say. Uh, and keep in mind that I'm a theater nerd, right? I come from a stage background. Like been acting since the third grade Christmas play at Sabin. That was Donner. Uh, that's one of the reindeer. Uh, um, I think it's Rudolph's dad, actually. Although really they're all women, aren't they? Because they have yeah. antlers. <laughs> yeah, so
1: reindeer. I only the
2: only the women have antlers. So
1: Oh whoa. Yeah. School
0: and mm-hmm. me. All right, yeah. Getting we can on presume the year. That we're all women, <laughs> females. Um, also, I was but, in theater a lot, just to just put that out there. Oh, yeah. Theater little, kids, yeah.
1: Well, I was, I
0: was too. So, but it, yay, it stopped. It stopped wonderful. after middle school. So, yeah. <laughs> well, if you guys
2: want to sing a show tune, let me know. Uh, <laughs> I would love to. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I know. How am I going to show my not show my kid Aladdin? You know what I'm saying? I just don't. Yeah. Uh, okay. So let's see. I think that. I think that TV changes the world, can change the world, does change the world, shapes the world. I think it is the most accessible, uh, cheapest version of theater, of, like, theatrical performing arts that's available nationwide, potentially globally, uh, to people of all economic classes. Um, I also think it's the most accessed. I think it's what people choose to put their money toward when they have it, this form of entertainment. And we all know, right, that when you think about, I mean, for me, I'm an 80s and 90s kid, right? So it's like Back to the Future and anything with Molly Ringwald. And like, obviously, my son is named Indiana, right? Mm-hmm. Yoda is our Jesus. Like, there are the yeah. stories, there's a reason I'm an actor. The stories are the things that fill your heart, they're the things that shape you, they're the things that shape your belief systems. And they're the way that you choose to intake the world and also output to the world. So, the landscape of that, what that looks like to you is is what creates you, is what creates the world. And if you are, you know, think about BLM and how commercials look now versus mm-hmm. how they did before. Absolutely. It's a different thing. And mm-hmm. is, is it sincere? Probably not. Is it just because it's monetized? Yeah, probably. But it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And all my friends who could not have a shot before or very little are like getting calls now and getting paid. And beyond that, if you're a little kid and you see yourself on TV, obviously representation, how does that feel? Mm-hmm. And when I was a kid, I mean, I didn't know Zach Morris was half Asian, that actually. I just found out a couple months ago. And not Zach Morris, but the actor who mm-hmm. plays yeah, yeah. on by the Saved the by the Bell. Yeah. Oh. He's half Asian i don't yeah. me mean that just there goes to show boy. you right
1: like you can mm-hmm. never it's like you never can tell based on looking if at i a had person. known that
2: <laughs> that what those the years i was watching that were the years i switched to alameda and everyone was horrible to me if i had known that zach morris was half i mean whoa yeah that would right have changed right. everything uh-huh. mm-hmm. right and lisa lisa on that show was black and mario lopez obviously he's mm-hmm. hispanic uh jesse's probably half um, <laughs> uh, But, you know, you just you just didn't see those people. You didn't see that on TV. Right. Mm-hmm. There were black people. There were white people. Occasionally there would be an Asian person. That's it. Mm-hmm. And even now today in this moment, how many indigenous people are you seeing on TV? Yeah, Way right more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But still like not hanging, not the lady who works at the bank. It has yeah. to be a show that's about that. Mm-hmm. Right. Like mixed dish. It has to be Black-ish. It's so unheard of. They actually have to say it in the title of the show, yeah. which is just like, that's not what our world is like, right? It's the baristas can be anything. and, right. and mm-hmm. This is not even talking about lead characters, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but if that was at the forefront, if not just people, not just people of color, but people of color who are multi-ethnic were, I mean, it should be, it should be the representation of our country, it should be that same percentage. And I do right now see a lot of Indigenous roles coming down the pipeline, thanks to me. No, not always, <laughs> but I've booked some. i think <laughs> I booked some, which is great. And I'm excited because, you know, I see the audition calls, so I see what's coming, um, you know, that maybe other people don't, and it's exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still, it's, it's not fair. It's not enough. Um, and I didn't feel like I saw myself on TV. Ever, ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, me either. Like when I saw yeah. Moana, I was like, what?
1: <laughs> <laughs> What's up? You know? Yeah. We have all, like, there's all kinds of things to say about Moana, like as a critique, but like in terms For of visibility sure. and feeling mm-hmm. like you see yourself as like, person that existed
2: outside of just like in your head. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, and that's another thing too. I think there are, remember Margaret Cho was on a family sitcom. Remember this in like the nineties? I can't remember. People got so upset because not everyone was the same kind of Asian, like she's Korean. And there was like a a Japanese guy on the show, you know, playing family members and people were so, uh, some people were just picking it apart, being like, well, that's not realistic. They, and it's like, dude, there's one Asian show on TV. Please just leave it alone. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh (laughs) Like we will get there. We will get there. But if you, the choices are keeping it or canceling it, don't let this be the thing that takes Mm -hmm. it off the air. And I've, I've heard her talk about it. You know, it was, it was heartbreaking for her to have that show be canceled and for that to be the main critique. And like, I do think there's obviously necessary growth that has to happen. We're not where we need to be and we have to celebrate the steps that get us there or else people stop taking them. Yeah.
0: And if I those agree steps so are about money, then put the money behind it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder yeah, so, um because we're we're slowly seeing more people um of different backgrounds on TV, are you seeing it behind the scenes as well? Like is Hollywood diversifying the people that are doing the other jobs and I don't know mm-hmm. if you're like sitting at a casting call and you see like a table full of white people that are like listening to you audition for them. Like, are you seeing it diversified too?
2: Oh, that's interesting. Well, they're not all they're not all the same uh, statuses, right? Mm-hmm. They're not all the same levels of power. Yeah. So I am seeing more uh, female cinematographers and uh, some more female directors. Uh, I'm seeing I'm seeing some more women of color in directing positions. Um, I'm not seeing much by way of producers or executive producers, mm-hmm. but that's sort of high level, big money, old guard sort of things. Mm-hmm. If you know what I that might take take mm-hmm. some time. I mean, that's like anything, right? You're seeing all more black people on a L'Oreal commercial mm-hmm. putting on makeup, but who's mm-hmm. on the board of directors?
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. you know,
2: I do. I think that's to come, probably, if we keep demanding it. You know.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh we have but, to have representation first before we can then have representation like we have to have representation that's visible and then it's like oh i can aspire i see myself now mm-hmm. i can move into other yeah. spaces.
2: Yeah. I mean well it's that is even a tough conversation because it's like is it a, is it about a lack of trying is it about somebody needing to see something to aspire to or is it about a lack of access or is it just a big giant a circle combination of, all of, of it? It. fucked yeah. upness. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. It's both. It's all the things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But to me, I think that what we see on a Super Bowl commercial is what shapes the world, as much as that is not everything my theater degree was leading up to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that makes a huge difference. That's what people see. They see mm-hmm. TV. Mm-hmm. Definitely.
1: What have been some, like, can you share some more stories of what have been really, maybe like a cha- really big challenging moment for you and maybe like something that was really celebratory
2: and felt really affirming for you as an actor or Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um sure okay um let's see i booked recently i was on this video game that people who love video games will know and nobody else will because it's video game uh (laughs) cyberpunk 2077 was like Mm. a big uh, video game keanu reeves because i guess stars are in video games now who knew Mm -hmm. Uh, he was the lead of the game uh it's like a big you know, the whole world, computer, talk to other people thing. It's set in the future, obviously. Um, and I booked an indigenous woman on that video game, which was a pretty big win for me. First of all, because the thing is under such a heavy NDA that you don't know what you're auditioning for and you don't know what you've booked until you're in the room. Mm. Oh, like I'm really? sitting in the lobby Whoa. ready to go in and do my job and I know what my role is and I know, right, I have all my things down. I've got my dialect. I've got my all my actory things I do and my lines they give me your lines when you get in there you can't look at them beforehand wow Locked and so down. I'm in the lobby with my lines and then I'm looking at the bottom and I'm like Cyberpunk 2077 and I don't play video games I haven't played video games since Nintendo, yeah. Like, uh, all You're Sega. Sega. So I, didn't, I didn't really realize it. Uh, Sega, right? And uh, I get in there and then I find out it's this huge thing and they're showing me the trailer, like the director's showing me the trailer. And I'm like, oh, Keanu's in it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I know who that is. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, and it's a really big deal, I but I just was so stoked to have an indigenous woman be a role on this. Yeah. And she's not a lead. She's not huge, right? She's like... Uh, she's the Olivia Pope of this video game. She's like a fixer. Mm. Um, and it was an interesting role because they were like, okay, you need to be from, oh God, what was it? The Pomona, the Pomo tribe of Sonoma, California. It's a very specific tribe, but it's in the future and we want you to have the accent, which is like, well, the dialect of people in that, indigenous people in that area today, I mean, it's a dialect, but it's pretty subtle. It's Mm kind of California. But They wanted this like specific. I'm like, okay, I so I found a source, I found some source material. This wow. is like dorky actor stuff, no, super fascinating. <laughs> Too talking, uh, yeah, from the 1930s. Wow, right? And my uh, I'm, I'm of multiple bloodlines, but none of them were that in that area. But like I said, let's not piece it apart, right? Mm-hmm. Indigenous people at the forefront, doesn't matter. Uh, so I found source material from the 30s and then I modernized it a little bit and then she has a mechanical lung so I had to sort of mm. choose oh. some tones. Based wow. On that. Crazy. Uh, you are blowing my mind right now. It into-
1: <laughs> it's like so specific and like that's amazing. I, mean, I literally like sculpting your voice mm-hmm. out of like like it's clay or something
2: it didn't even feel like i was doing art it felt like very clear to me it's just Mm -hmm. like right she has a mechanical lung she's in her 50s she's in the future but in the future there are tribes in a way there's not so much now Mm -hmm. There, it's a very post-apocalyptic world there's literally like tribes of people uh and uh so maybe we can sort of jump over the history that's actually happened. Maybe mm-hmm. there's an alternate timeline there <sighs> yeah. that goes to this cyberpunk world. So her, maybe she has more of a dialect than yeah, you know totally. the realistic trajectory. Mm-hmm. Um and so it just felt like I was taking the information and then making it. And then I'm like, okay, well, let's see what lines they give me when I get in there. Mm-hmm. But I did it. And, you know, I'm also like a million other little I'm also all the Chinese side characters in there that say <laughs> hi on the street or like Nice shoes or whatever, but those oh are not credited.
1: <laughs> that is so fascinating with a fascinating cool. world.
2: Yeah. Uh, um, but it was cool. It was like a fun gig and it was just um, like the
0: director's just really respectful. It was like a nice job. Nice. Yeah. I kind of wanted – so this, I mean, it's not trying to get like intense or anything, but I think that was interesting when you were talking about earlier how um, a previous per- boyfriend or a male that you knew said like, because of the way you looked, like, you knew what you would be doing, you know? And and we might know, like, why those kinds of things are harmful to say to us or to assume, but I want I was kind of wondering why, like, to you those things are harmful, and even, like, mm-hmm. perpetuating this idea of who we are or what we can do based on what we look like.
2: Yeah, I mean, well, it's multi-layered. Like mm-hmm. the first, most prominent layer, just being like, "Ew, that's gross." Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> and on like a uh, a super shallow level, like, "Hey, my skills in bed aren't because of my ethnicity; <laughs> they're because <laughs> they're I practice." Uh-huh. <laughs> um, uh, but also, uh, it's just like this person had been my boyfriend for a, for a number of years, so it also just felt really offensive because it's like, but. Babe, it's me. Mm-hmm. Like, what, are you ta- what are you even talking about? Mm-hmm. Like who knows all the intricacies of you and your life and your family history and your opinions about all of these things and still can have the gall to say something as stupid and otherizing and and uh, shallow, just something that like diminishes who I am as a full person mm-hmm. that he's in love with to that after years. It's just like, mm-hmm. whoa. And obviously also it's harmful. Mm-hmm to everyone because it's fetishizing um it's that exotic nature and also i think it's really weird because i feel like this sort of you know how to take care of a man thing and this might be the nerd in me is very tied to being a geisha which is specifically which Mm -hmm. is a very specific role and is japanese which i am not Mm uh and i have all kinds of bones to pick with people who are demeaning to geishas specifically but also we're not all the same we're not all the same thing Right. And it's not I'm not Japanese. I'm I'm not a geisha or a hooker like or a prostitute. Right. They're all it's just it's lumping them all together into one thing and then only using it as a thing that serves the white male. Mm-hmm.
1: So it's
2: mm-hmm. offensive just all over the place. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 And I want to like I want to name that too, like the exotifying, because I think um, I think sometimes people think it's like it's a compliment. Um mm-hmm right? Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's, I think that there's the intention there that it's, like, complementary. But it, you're right, it's so loaded. There's so much more that's embedded in that. There's so much historicity embedded in that. Um, And I mean, some of
2: it has to do with war, too, which, like I've said, is really, yeah, Yeah. which is a really big deal to me. And I think anything that, that turns that sort of an experience into something that's conversational or topical or sexual is, like, pretty fucked up mm-hmm. oh yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah 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 and depending on who you're saying it to i mean depending on like your actual family story your actual ancestral story too it can really bring up a lot for folks yeah yeah go ahead
0: oh no i just think that like people don't understand how much those words can be harmful like it's just like a simple thing that like they think they're saying but it's so like Loaded and intense for for people experiencing it that it's like, are you even thinking? Like, are you using your brain? Do you have like compassion or empathy for others? It's, it's just really mind-boggling sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and at the same time, it's probably just – what they were told there's Mm -hmm. no
2: malintent behind it at all and that's even more maddening because you can't actually get angry you can't actually attack i mean you can you can feel however you feel but (laughs) it's not something that is easily explainable Mm -hmm. that's right like Mm -hmm. here's 19 books four movies and (laughs) my (laughs) feelings (laughs) <laughs> yes. yeah
1: mm-hmm. thank you for speaking to that I feel like it's so nuanced but so important to talk about and I know that it's an experience that I've had and Kayla's expressed that she's had as well so mm-hmm.
2: thank you for sharing that yeah yeah do you want to talk about um the things some white people said to me since I've been in Portland yes actually
1: I would love to I would love for you to share a little bit about yeah like snapshot of Portland now for
2: you um I feel like that could be a great way to kind of close Mm -hmm. yeah sure so I just felt like it was riding on the waves of good intentions right so um and i don't want to offend anyone anyone who's who's, who's who hears the story i'm speaking of know that i love you and that and that i know you have the best of intentions but yeah. um, so i a friend she's a relatively new friend but she's a good friend but she you know she hasn't known me for decades mm-hmm. uh, on february 1st she texted me happy new year and i was like mom life we're all a month late <laughs> New Year has been New Year Year for a month now. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't even think about it. And then I was like, oh, you think I'm Asian, so I celebrate Lunar New Year, which totally could happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, And for context, her and I spoke about it recently. She had just gotten off the phone FaceTiming her other half Chinese friend who was showing her all of her Lunar New Year decorations around her house. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. So she was just like, oh, I should probably text Sabra. Happy New Year, girl. Mm Mm-hmm. N- nbd but for me i was like oh my god you think because i'm asian that i do this thing that i don't actually do don't get me wrong people i love red envelopes full of money uh-huh. but i am not like on <laughs> <And> the moon <laughs> <laughs> yeah sure but i'm not i'm not celebrating this thing and it's, it's just as it's weird to have somebody assume mm-hmm. that i do this thing that i definitely don't do and then me not even know what they're talking about right mm-hmm. um And then that same day, another mama from my kid's school, who is wonderful and lovely and I adore her, but I barely know at all, she texted me, oh, hey, my daughter and I are thinking about making um, gluten-free Chinese almond cookies and putting them in a red paper bag with an orange sticker and writing Happy Lunar New Year on it and handing them out to kids at school. So my first reaction is like, oh, she knows I had a problem with these one cookies that were passed out at some event. So she's telling me like... Hey, is mm. it cool if we bring these gluten free cookies, you know, so your son doesn't have, you know, their low sugar or whatever? Mm. And then the rest of the text is like, we're doing it in the spirit of appreciation, but if you think it's appropriative, we'll mix it. Mm. Let me know your thoughts. Hey. Be the expert. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. So, <laughs> no, uh, it's
1: like, it's so, that's so, what's so wild about hearing you say this story is I'm seeing you literally like, or I'm seeing you sh- kind of share how it's like that layered of, layered processing where it's like Mm -hmm. oh this is like how it actually comes to me because of who I actually am but then it's like Mm the oh that's why they're asking me about this is like the second round of like figuring out what's going on there
2: yeah Mm. and it's like also I hate almond cookies I've never had Chinese (laughs) almond cookies or heard of Chinese almond cookies my Chinese relatives didn't eat those kind of cookies Mm -hmm. we were always getting I don't know why specifically these like Danish Butter cookies in a tin is like what all my Chinese oh, yeah. family eats. Delicious, uh, <laughs> and just like FYI, people, I like cookies that have sugar in them. So, me too. <laughs> uh, yeah, give me a chocolate chip or I'm a molasses. Uh, but um, so my first thoughts were like, oh great, she's checking in about this. She's checking in about cookies, and then I was like, what are Chinese almond cookies? Mm-hmm. And then I just write back like, oh yes, oh yes. Keep in mind, this woman who I adore, who I love, she's a white Chinese medicine practitioner,
0: mm-hmm.
2: which I have no problem with. I love. TCM, Traditional Chinese Medicine. I love it. Um, she knows I'm Chinese because we talk about Chinese medicine sometimes. You know, and I don't, you know, she's not selling these cookies, right? She's giving them away at mm-hmm. school, right? And, and she probably does have a, a very strong reverence for the culture because it's her career, like what mm-hmm. she's chosen to do. Mm-hmm. So again, all good intentions. I just wrote back, thanks for checking in. Uh, I am pretty pretty disassociated from my Chinese family. I maybe should have said culture. I was like, that's probably a common mm, uh, mixed girl experience. Mm -hmm. Um, Love that they're gluten free. (laughs) Um, uh, But I don't think I'm the authority on the subject. You're not selling them, so it feels fine to me. But you're the TCM practitioner and you literally have your finger on the pulse of the culture. So I think you can decide. Mm-hmm. That, that's a that's an acupuncture joke. Yeah. 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 <laughs> good. Uh, love acupuncture. <laughs> uh, love a good acupuncture joke. That's right. Mm-hmm. Love that TCM, <laughs> TCM joking. Uh, but I mean, the, the reality is, right, she's getting her Chinese herbs from somewhere. She probably knows a lot of people who are more Chinese than me who – probably are literally more Chinese and deal more with uh, Chinese products and are in a Chinese medical field. Mm -hmm. Uh, And she sent back with like a really – she was like, ha-ha, I appreciate your answer. Uh, Something like, check out this Instagram video. And then it's a guy talking – it's like a funny, appropriate Instagram video of this comedian, Indian-American comedian, talking about how – If he wants somebody to respect his culture, he should marry a white girl because if he marries an Indian girl, she'll wear a sari to the wedding. But if he marries a white girl, she'll wear a sari to the grocery store Mm -hmm. and make sure everybody knows what region it's from. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, she wasn't like missing the mark with that video or Mm -hmm. anything. And she's lovely and her intentions were wonderful. But in L.A., nobody would be like, oh, Sabra's the most Chinese person we know. Let's check in (laughs) with her about all this stuff like the the month of February. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah. like
2: are you texting women you know and being like happy international women's month or like every black person you're like happy kwanzaa i assume you celebrate that i, mean, I don't <laughs> know like what? it's uh-huh. just a little and not, and at the same time i can't say that anything about it is wrong right it felt weird mm-hmm. yeah it felt weird
1: yeah yeah it's like it's not a microaggression it's not racism it's not like but it is this thing that makes you again like reminds you that you're other and also maybe like that you're like I don't want to put words in your mouth but like I'm thinking that there's like it's like I'm not enough of that thing is there like a is there any kind of like lingering for you of that where it's like yes that's all
2: over the place Mm -hmm. yeah yeah but like even what's hitting me now is like I mean, granted, my son is in like a Waldorf-inspired all-outdoor <laughs>
0: school, so Sad it is off.
2: like a a particular set of uh, privileged people, uh-huh. I guess. Suppose, uh, but even now, I'm just suddenly realizing, like, why would she check in with me? And then I'm thinking about all the park dates we have all the time, and I'm like, well, I'm surely I'm not the only non-white.
0: Uh-huh. yeah. I yeah. Only- no,
2: wait. One kid has an Egyptian dad. Uh-huh. That's it. Yeah. Out of all the kids in the school. Yeah. That's it. And I yeah. just am realizing that now. And he he's only at the park like once every couple of months. Mm-hmm. So literally, when people are approaching a group of this group of moms and dads at the park, I'm the only person who's not white. And I have mm-hmm. actually never thought about that till just now, which yeah. is weird. So yeah, that makes me feel uh-huh. a little other, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, I mean, I feel like this is so nuanced and there's so little language for talking about what's going on there. Cause I feel like it's such a Portland mm. like Eugene thing.
0: Um, People are trying
1: so hard. Yeah, yeah. It's like they're trying to connect, and they like wanna really honor what they see as like your cultural difference, right? Because we talk so much about celebrating diversity, but well, like those assumptions can really kick up a bunch of stuff for us.
2: Um, but they don't know that, and they don't yeah. know that. You but know, now they do they if they're listening. But, like- yeah. Well, and, or <laughs> if they yeah, know they you, right? If they know you, if they know me and my life, mm-hmm. then they would know that if they, you know, if they know known me enough to have me talk about childhood. Or you know, read some of my Instagram posts, yeah. but uh, yeah. So I think, and it's 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 loving. It's their attempt at being loving, and I would much rather have this kind of recognition for being other than the other kind, totally. right? Yeah. Right. What you experienced so, so mm-hmm. elementary school. I'm not saying make it stop. Just like, I'll be excited when. <laughs> there's more There's more people of many colors all around. Yeah, and like real.
1: more questions and assumptions, right? Mm-hmm, um, more yeah. curiosity. And also I think like that um, asking permission, like if it's okay to ask about those things, um, I think is also like a really gentle way of discovering more about the people in your
2: life that you want to be close to.
0: Um, mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, like I realized my own hypocrisy in the situation because – I want Portland to be more racially and ethnically diverse. And at the same time, I love Portland's little bubble. And that's why I moved back, right? Mm -hmm. I don't, I, the big experience of LA doesn't have that otherizing that feels weird. And it's missing all these things Portland has because we're kind of, homogenized Mm -hmm. right like I love Mm -hmm. all the hipsters in our boots and our fancy coffee and like our disdain (laughs) for the man and like I want us all to have that I love that
0: yeah
2: uh and at the same time I also want to be more inclusive which includes Mm -hmm. other things that are not this little hipster alternative girl I was raised as Mm -hmm. in the grunge era in the grunge region Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) yeah
1: yeah, I know. I feel like what's up for us is, like, all kind of discovering how we do that. Like, how do we change? Because it is – we are going to change dramatically. Mm. And how can we do that in a way that allows for us to have conversations like this and be heard and um, be witnessed? Oh, my God. You guys like, should start a podcast it. about it what? or something. It's hmm. <laughs> <laughs> a great idea. <laughs>
2: oh sabra oh, it has been good, so good you.
1: to have you on the show like you were just great. such a joy to to listen to and your stories are so rich and your experience is so um fascinating so we're just so grateful yeah. for yeah. your
0: time and energy thank you so oh. much yeah and um nice. so. we want to go to your next stand-up so please, yes. invite us. please tell us when oh, it is yes. we'll see, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I told
2: no one. I was like, 550 people? Me, I'm not telling anyone. And then they were like, it's sold out. I thought, oh, thank God. <laughs> I'm I mean, not telling anyone. No can <laughs> know. People know. People know. Now yeah. people know. <laughs> that's a little crazy that I didn't mention because I just don't know how to say it is that like I talk to my ancestors and like I'm in constant conversation with them. They hear me clearly, but also one of my best friends is a shamanic practitioner. Um, and she's, she's a strong psychic and she can talk to dead people. And I talk to, I talk to my ancestors all of the time, um, which also highly recommend if you have any grief over people you've lost, because, um, it brings a lot of relief to know they're still in your life. Um, but part of this journey I've been on is you know how it is when you feel mixed and you feel like you don't belong I went searching for all of the specific uh tribes that I am and how I connect with them um and looking for this sense of belonging and the hilarious thing is that I'm mixed all over right like my my grandmother her mother was half Sue and half Cree she was already mixed then she married into the susquehannock tribe and um then that tribe was absorbed by the iroquois so the 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 answer is that i'm mixed my lineage is mixed so far back <laughs> always uh that that's the way it is and also that my uh my ancestors have had a lot to say to me about that which is that it one doesn't compute in the language of spirit there is no who do you belong to and what tribe are you from and what's your ethnicity you belong to them you're their grandchild and they are rooting for you and loving you and looking after you and there is no blood quantum in the spirit world and that another thing is my ancestors want want me to know one of my grandmothers keeps popping in to tell me that they were always different, and that she felt different, and that her mother wanted her to know that though they were part of the Susquehannock tribe and they belonged, also they were different. They were the only ones wearing white, uh, which is actually a super big deal to continually bleach a hide in the sun over the course of weeks to make it white as snow from a brown hide takes so much effort and is something they felt very strongly about and continued to do. And so they were v- very clearly different than the tribe they were in. And that wasn't something to be ashamed of or to fear or to sit in not enoughness about. That was pride, right? And this um, this intentional choosing of what tribes you want to mix into and where you came from is actually meant to be beautiful. Uh, um, I also want to say one other thing, which is that I think when I said – why do I feel an affinity with being indigenous more than being Chinese? Is it my, you know, own personal sort of uh, consumption of media? Is it what I read? It's how I feel. But the reality is that, like, the so the Susquehannock were a river people, and I was raised on the river camping and fishing with my mother and father, and that, like, for me, it, oh, and my ancestors tell me to sit by the river to communicate with them, uh, which I do. Um, for me, the land is my race right the river is my ethnicity the forest is my church and so it's about it's about earth like that's where I find my sense of belonging
0: thank you for listening to living Two or more make sure to follow us on instagram at living to or more if you have any comments or questions we would love to hear from you reach out to us at living to or more podcast at gmail.com. thanks